Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, and we take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. You can always join us live each Sunday morning at 8.30, 9.45, or 11 a.m. at our Rock Spring, Georgia campus, or at 11 a.m. at our Rossville, Georgia campus, which is just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Well, thank you to our worship team who did a great job. I know Corbin at Rossville, their team did great, but man, Denny and team, great job here today. Hey, I normally take this moment and say, take your Bibles and turn to, but I'm not doing that today. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to use a lot of Bible verses today as kind of walk through a topical subject. And so what I'd love for you to do today is get out a sheet of paper, pencil, write in your Bible somewhere and find a way to take notes Whether you're on your phone, your iPad and a note, uh, you know, and find a way to take notes today. Because I'm in this series called Ultimate Guide to the Christian Life, How to Elevate Your Walk with God. And so we're trying to get to the point in life where we're at that, that deep spiritual walk with God. We feel God speaking in our heart, God guiding us. It's the mystique thing. Sometimes it's things you just can't, you just can't you know, find a verse that says, uh, do this or do that. But you need the guidance of the Lord. But in order for us to get there... We, we got to do what's in the verses. And so we, we need the how-tos. If we're going to elevate our walk with God to that level, we've, we can't jump over the how-tos. Like God doesn't allow us to skip the necessities of the Christian life and get to that, uh, uh, you know, that place that's a deeper walk with him. We've got to walk through the necessities. And so that's what we're trying to do. And so today's one of those subjects I'm, I'm going to talk about uh, that's near and dear to all our hearts uh, called figuring out forgiveness. Now, now, here's the bottom line of the Christian life. This is the basic how-to of the Christian life. That until you figure out forgiveness in your life, you're never going to get anywhere in your walk with God. You'll never go deep with God until you figure out forgiveness in your life. So, so I'm going I'm to try to help you today, help all of us with that. So have a, have a place to jot some notes down, and uh, let, me, let, me, let me ease into it a little bit. Baseball's been really big. NFL starts today. Falcons play today. One o'clock, NFL starts today, uh, but baseball's been going on, and it's been a really, really weird year for baseball. If you're a big baseball, I'm a huge baseball fan, and, and uh, it's been a really weird year to deal with. Like, like we've had weird things like this going on in baseball, and um, cardboard cutout fans. Now, I'll be honest with you, it's just weird. It's weird to see it in the stands, and I, it probably it looks better than empty stands, but it's still weird. It's still weird. We have... Uh, Card, and I, I went to a Braves game the other day. I actually got to go and sit in the chop house. There are maybe 60 or 80 people there at the most in the chop house, and you get to watch through the glass. Now, they wouldn't even let us go sit out in the outfield. They could have spaced us out, but I guess people would have rioted if they'd seen anybody out in the stands, and so we had to sit behind the glass. It was okay, but it's just weird. I'm just saying it's just weird. It's a weird world, things we're living in. Not only that, watch this video. It's about a minute long, but this is weird. Yeah. In his big league career. And 4-0, as you saw this year, with that 275 ERA. Fly ball, hammer, deep left field. Welcome back, Ronald. He admires that, baby. Three quarters of the way up the bleachers. There's that home run you talked about, Jeff. A leadoff shot, and Acuna's back with a bang. It's 1-0. Well, that ball got his attention. I promise you that. That ball. Uh, wait yeah. for it. Wait for it. Wow. 
114 off the bat. That's weird, right? Air high fives and air handshakes is weird. Now, I know some of you, I don't know what to do. People are asking me before church, are you handshaking? Or I, like, I, I hug and handshake. I don't have an in-between. My wife came to 930, and she's normally smacking my hand, you know, like don't, people don't want to shake your hand. But, have you seen, but look, the whole point of a high five is to hear the smack when you do it, right? And the old air high fives, I, I know of no documented corona cases from high fives. Do you? Like, I, they're within two feet of each other drinking out of the same water bottle. I don't know why a five five is going to kill you. It's weird. Something else was weird this year in baseball. Is if you know baseball, there's two leagues, American League and National League. And American League's had the designated hitter for decades. That means the pitcher doesn't bat. Somebody bats for the pitcher. But this year, the National League adopted the designated hitter, which I actually like, but is weird. And it's weird, and not everybody would like it. As a matter of fact, if you're a longtime Atlanta Braves fan, I can show you a couple of Braves that would not have liked the designated hitter. How long are they going to worship this guy? Hey, we got Cy Young winners over here. Chicks dig the long ball. You remember that that commercial? It's weird this year that pitchers aren't batting. When you say something's weird, that's not even funny. What's one thing that's weird this year is this: injuries are way up in Major League Baseball. Here's here's a graph that will show you. In the first month of the season, typically in 2015, there are 105 visits to the injured list by players. And you saw a slight escalation over the next few years, but this year it skyrocketed. There have been 181 through the first month of the season. That's over a 75% jump from 2015. It's 33 more than last year, which is at least one more person per team who's injured. And that's not funny. As a matter of fact, when they try to figure it out, there's not really a reason for it other than here's what they're saying. Tension is up, stress is up, problems in the world are high, and there's just a lot of anxiety in general. And all of this tension and all of this stress and all of this anxiety means injuries are going to be up, and get this, hurt is going to be up. In baseball, hurt is up. It's kind of like the world you live in in the world we all live in. We're living in a high-tension, high-stress world right now with anxiety on every hand, anxiety on every side, and inevitably when that happens, hurt is going to go up. Now, I'm not talking about the physically injured list. That's probably not going to happen, but the emotional injured list is piling high because when we live in a tension-filled world, when we live in a stress-filled world, when we are tired, when we are weary, when we are worn out, we are going to have people, people 
who do mean things, who do bad things, who do hurtful things, who don't do things they ought to do. And remember this, hurting people always are the ones who hurt other people. If you're going to level up your Christian life, you cannot go around with all of the anger and all of the bitterness and all the resentment and all the hurt that comes from living in a broken, hurt world. You say, well, preacher, what am I going to do? Well, the Bible gives us the other alternative. And the other alternative to always be hurt and injured is forgiveness. Hear me. Forgiveness is the gold standard of the Christian life. You won't advance far. You cannot forgive and forgive often and forgive regularly and forgive generally. It's probably safe to say that here in this room at Rossville and online, it's filled with unforgiveness. I mean, really, you, you, you've been hurt, genuinely hurt by someone close to you way back in the past or even recently. Maybe it was a parent, a spouse, a friend, a, a church member. A co-worker, even a stranger can hurt us sometimes. And the hurt is there and the hurt is real. So how do you figure out forgiveness? I'm just going to be honest. You can't level up your Christian life. You can't go to the next level. You can't go deeper with God. Unforgiveness will hold you back. So let me help you figure out forgiveness. And before I dive in, let's talk about what forgiveness is just briefly. Psychologists generally define forgiveness as a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or group who has harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness. It's a good definition. I had a church member a, a long time ago tell me, preacher, he said, the best definition I can come up with for forgiveness when I study the Bible is this, cancel the debt. And it's the one I've used. It, it encompasses all of that. When people have hurt you, when people have wronged you, when people have mistreated you, here's what the Bible commands you do. Commands. Cancel the debt. So how do we figure out forgiveness? How do we cancel the debt that other people genuinely owe us, but we cancel it? Let me give you six things. Write them down. Number one is this. Don't be so easily offended. Now, you're going to follow me on this Bible verse. It's Proverbs 19, 11. It says, a person's insight gives him patience. And he is, get this, virtue is to overlook an offense. His virtue is to overlook an offense. Now, sometimes we get the idea that we have a lot of people to forgive. Like, everyone you know has hurt you. Everyone you know has offended you somehow. And oftentimes the problem could be... Not that everyone is against us, but that we are too easily offended. I mean, if you live in a world and you think everybody is out to get you, it's probably not them. It may be you. This, is sting. this will sting, but we'll move on in a hurry. If you live in a world where you think everybody's mean to you, it's probably not them. It's probably you. Because look at what Proverbs says. Proverbs says this. It is a virtue to overlook an offense, I know what you're thinking. Well, that word offense, that's not a really strong word, preacher. What was done to me was worse than offense. So I thought the same thing. When I, so I thought this week in my study, I'm going to do a deep dive on the word offense. And the word offense in the Hebrew means a sin, a rebellion, or a transgression. And, and when I was doing the deep dive, discovered that the best place to look in the Bible for where the, offense, the word offense is used is actually in, a, in, in one of the books in the Minor Prophets called Amos. And Amos in his book uses the word 11 times. And 11 times he uses the word offense to describe a humanity's crimes against God, Israel's crimes against God. 
It's the Hebrew word peshah, and here is what it means. It was reserved for the most serious of Israel's sins. It, re- it referred to an open and brazen defiance of God by humans. It is a willful, knowledgeable violation of a norm or a standard. It is a willful, willing breach of trust. It was a word that was used, offense, when someone broke a covenant. In our, in our, in our day, it would be, it's when somebody willfully breaks or harms a friendship or a marriage or a family relationship. When it's used in a theological sense, it indicated, get this, hard to imagine, a crime against God. And hear me, hear me. It's so important you hear this next sentence. It was often viewed as beyond forgiveness. It was so atrocious. Beyond forgiveness. If you committed an offense against God, it meant that you robbed God, embezzled God, misappropriated in your relationship with God. And oftentimes the writers of the books would assume that it was, beyond, it was so egregious that it was beyond forgiveness. It's the word offense. So we're talking about a sin, a problem, a transgression, a hurt. That has hurt you so badly that you can't imagine forgiveness. Here's what Proverbs 19.11 says. It's a virtue to overlook it. Listen, I, I know that is a pretty serious offense just to overlook it. It's exactly what the Bible says do. And here's what God is trying to drill into your hearts and minds. That sometimes we are just too easily offended. Even when it's atrocious. Even when it's egregious. Even when it hurts. Here's what God was trying to say. Hey, sometimes it's just easier to let things go. Sometimes it's just easier to look the other way. It's just easier to move on. It's just easier to forget it. It's just easier not to dwell on it. Every bad thing that happens to you and me is not worth shutting our lives down over. Because I tell you, we live in a broken world. We live in a high-stress world. We live in a weary world. And people are hurt and people are broken. Can I tell you, if you stay alive and if you interact with people, you know what's going to happen to you? There is going to be brokenness and hurt and damage and pain all around you. If not careful, you're walking around in life thinking everybody owes you apology. And here's what the Bible said, dude, don't do that. Don't let all of that anxiety, hurt, and pain around you shut you down. Sometimes it's just easier for you to move on and not be offended. The last six months, we've heard more about germs than I ever want to hear. My, my wife was a germaphobe before coronavirus ever came around. She could give me, uh, she sent me stats on germs all the time. Again, we're just two different people. I, I figured a hotel room has never killed anybody, but she thought that it had. And so we'd, we'd travel and go in a hotel room, and I'd jump on the bed and lick the remote, and she'd pass out. And no joke, she carried cans of Lysol with us, and, 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 and I, I hate the smell of Lysol, and she carried Lysol wipes with us, and she'd wipe everything down. She'd open up the hotel. I can't tell you how many times we had to switch hotel rooms because she's like, nope, no, 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 don't, don't sit on anything. She'd tell me that all the time. Don't sit on anything. I'm like, this is a nice hotel. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, we're not sitting here. So it's just the world we lived in before that. But I, I'm kind of over it because we've heard more about germs in the last six months than I ever. Well, I, don't know, I don't need to know as much as I know about germs right now in my life. 
Like I don't, I'm, I, I, I'm not a fan of going to the restaurant and sitting down and now they give me a QR code and tell me to scan the QR code for the menu. I just, I don't want to do that. I just don't. It's too much work. I'm going to eat at a restaurant so I don't have to work. So if you make me work for my food, I'd rather cook at home. It's cheaper anyway, so I'd rather cook at home. I don't want a QR code. Now I like QR codes. I just, I just don't want one at a restaurant. I can't figure out the cheesecake menu on a QR code on my phone. I just can't. It's too much. Too, I just I don't, I don't want it. But all of a sudden, germs have shut us down. Shut us down. And so I thought I'd do a little deep dive. How germy was it before coronavirus? You don't want to know the answer to that. But since i got to cover the next 20 minutes, I'm going to tell you. University of Wisconsin did a study and said this. Davish toothbrush, after brushing, has over 10 million germs on it. In a side study, teenage boys, middle school boys, found out had 100 million germs on it. Unrelated. So if anybody ever asks you if they can borrow your toothbrush, what should you say? Or yes, but you can keep it. Right? Well, it gets worse. Studies have shown that 16% of cell phones have intestinal bacteria on them. I don't even know what that means. But I'm so grossed out by it, I didn't even look it up. So I don't even have an answer for what intestinal bacteria means. I don't know. I mean, I know what's in your intestines. I don't know how it got on your phone. Please don't go to the restroom and pull your phone out. But I know why they're using QR codes in restaurants. Because studies show menus carried the most germs in a restaurant, 185,000 germs on average menu. As far as I know, there have been no deaths from menu touching ever. But listen, it, it gets... See some, this is Joel griping today. It also aggravates me I can't get salt and pepper in a restaurant right now. Is that bothering anybody else? Is it bothering anybody else? Just hand me salt and pepper. Not in the paper. Again, if I have to rip the paper, then I'm working for it. I don't want to work for it. Sorry, I'll be okay. I'll see my counselor tomorrow. I'll be fine. All right. Uh, the second most germiest place, place was the pepper shaker. And then finally... Hold on your stomach. One study found that light switches and bathroom floors were all, say that word with me, all contaminated again with the intestinal bacteria. Would you please keep your intestines on the inside where it belongs? And light switches had 216 bacteria per square inch. What are y'all doing in bathrooms? Please, for goodness sake, wash your hands when you come out of a bathroom. Take a shower. Here's, here's what I want to tell you. Do you know, you, don't, you may not have known this until now. Before coronavirus, you were living in filth every day of your life. You had intestinal bacteria all over the place. And you know what you did? You carried on. You know why? You don't have time to fight all those germs. You know, some of those are even good for us. I don't know about the intestinal bacteria ones. I'll pass on that. But some of those are even good. You don't have time to fight all those germs. 
Your body does that. And so what you did, you lived in a germified, filthy world before coronavirus. And you know what you did? You carried on. Now I get it. Every now and then there's going to be a germ come along like the coronavirus that's going to shut you down. But you can't let everyday germs shut you down. Why? You'd never get on with life. And listen to me. That is exactly the same way it works with hurt in your life. You're living in a broken world. You're going to be surrounded by hurt. It's going to be all around you. Now listen, every now and then somebody's going to do something that devastates you. But don't let everything devastate you. Don't let everything paralyze you. Give grace to people. Be patient with people. Be kind with people. You say, oh, but preacher, you don't know. I don't know what they did, but it, I promise you they're doing it to me and everybody else too. Can we say this about your marriage? Say, oh, brave people. Your spouse is going to do stupid stuff. See, and there was a guy at 8 o'clock that amen that. None of y'all have the intestinal fortitude that that guy had. Of course, you're getting lunch this afternoon. He's not. But anyway, he's tough. Say it with me. Your spouse is going to do stupid stuff. Say amen. amen. Some of you should have said, oh, me, but I get it, right? Your spouse is going to do stupid stuff. Can I tell you, your, 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 your husband is going to say dumb stuff. Your wife sometimes is just going to take it all out on you. If you're going to walk around offended every time that happens, you're not going to get anywhere in life. Because you know what? Your parents are going to do it. Your friends are going to do it. Your coworkers are going to do it. Hey, somebody passing you on the street is going to do it. Stuff's going to happen. Can I tell you this? Godliness moves on. Godliness doesn't dwell. Godliness doesn't get offended. And you take right now and you run through your list of hurts. Some of them aren't worth being hurt over. You don't need to forgive. You just need to look over them. Can I tell you this? Hey, listen to me. Listen to me. Sometimes it takes more energy to be hurt and reconcile than it does just to move on. Move on. Don't be so easily offended. Number two, got to move faster on the rest of these. Number two, unforgiveness, know this, can cause other issues. Ephesians chapter 4, one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. Read it when you go home. Here's what he says. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander be removed from you along with all malice and be kind and compassionate to one another. Now, here's the hinge phrase of the whole verses. Forgiving one another just as God also forgave you in Christ. What causes all this stuff is the lack of forgiveness. So here's what the Bible tells us. Here are the other issues that unforgiveness causes. Get this. Number one is bitterness. That is resentment, bitterness, bitter feelings. It was the actual word that was used to describe bitter food. Bitter food. And so it, it meant, get this, to be soured or unpleasant to the taste. Right? That describes people you know, right? Don't look at them, but that describes people you know. Soured and unpleasant. Soured and unpleasant. Now hear me carefully. These are not the offending people who are doing this. These are, this is the offended people. You're the innocent victim. And when you're in the innocent victim and you don't forgive, you turn bitter. Not only that, you have anger issues. Outburst of anger is the word in the Greek, meaning that you're bottling all up, that unforgiveness, you bottle it all up, and one day it's just going to come screaming out of you. Not only that, it uses the word wrath, and wrath is a dangerous word in the Bible. 
It's not an outburst of anger. It's a decisive and deliberate anger. You know what that wrath means? It means you thought about it and you've seethed over it and you're getting angrier by the second. It's a plotting anger. That leads to shouting, which are harsh, injurious words said loudly. That leads to slander. Slander, evil speaking, hurtful speech, injurious speech. Now, again, follow me. This is not the offender. This is the offended. You're the victim, but you're the slanderer because now you go around and you're, you're running other people in the ground. You're running other family members, Christians, believers in the ground. And it bleeds over. And then finally uses the word malice. It's, a again, a dangerous word in the Bible. It's a hatred that goes on and on. It's a long-lasting bitterness. And it's a word that means deep in your heart, you're hoping something tragic happens to the person who has offended you. And it, it, One definition said it, it's somebody who has turned their heart over to evil. Now, follow me. Does that sound like the kind of person you want to be? Does that sound like Christ? That's not the mean person. That's the victim. That's not the offender. That's the offended. It sounds like the offender. You would describe the offender that way, but it's not. It's you. And the fact is, when you don't forgive, you're causing so many other issues in your life. And these issues, that wrath, that anger, that malice, that bitterness, get me, it bleeds over into other relationships. Because you're holding on to under-forgiveness your other relationships begin to suffer. And it causes issues in all of your relationships. Second thing you need to know about figuring out forgiveness is the third thing is this. You are forgiven. Look what he says in Colossians 3.13. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive this always has to be dropped in the forgiveness discussion because if you are a Christian, you have been forgiven far more than you need to forgive others. I wanted you to say amen right there, so let's try it again, all right? Pay attention. Look this way. At home, say amen. Rossville, say amen. Here we go. If you are a Christian, you have been forgiven far more than you need to forgive others. Remember this, Romans 5.8. God proves his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Hear me, while we were the enemies of God, while we were far from God, while we were bound in sin, while we were offending him in every way possible, Jesus loved us, Jesus died for us, and Jesus forgave us. Hey, it'd be one thing if you were perfect and didn't need forgiveness. But when you realize you've been forgiven, it's hard to hold back what we have been given so freely. So the fourth thing we know about forgiveness is when you don't forgive, you actually hurt you. Here's what I said. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your Now follow me, this is not a salvation verse, this is a sanctification verse. This is not about being saved, this is about your walk with Christ after you're saved. Here's what Jesus said, when you decide to stop forgiving others, you're going to have a problem with God. 
It's going to be really hard to look at God. You know, it's going to be really hard to look at God and say, but God, you don't know what they did to me. God, you've never, you don't know how badly I've been hurt. You've never been treated as poorly as I've been treated. Jesus from heaven just says, why don't you reach up and feel the nail scars in my Because when you turn off forgiveness to others, Jesus said God turns it off for you. And our unforgiveness towards others hurts our standing and our relationship with God. And you wind up hurting yourself. We need to be generous with our forgiveness knowing that we need God to be generous with his forgiveness toward us. If I know that I'm being given back in proportion to what I'm giving, I need to give a whole lot more. I say it to the staff and I say it at home all the time. I give a lot of grace because I need a lot of grace. Here's what Jesus said in Luke. Do not judge and you'll not be judged. Do not condemn, you'll not be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it'll be given back to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, we poured into your lap. Now let's stop there for a moment. He's talking about four things you need to hear. All these you need to hear. Don't judge, don't condemn, forgive, and give. Don't judge, don't condemn, forgive, and give. So here's what he's saying. You don't be judgmental toward others, and that'll be poured back on you. You don't be condemning towards others, that'll be poured back on you. You forgive, and forgiveness will be poured back on you. You give, that's specifically talking about financial giving, your resources. As you give, God pours it back on you even more. But get this, look at the last phrase. For the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you again. For the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you again. So here's what God said. Whatever cup you use in judgment, God's using that cup on you. If you go around, you're very judgmental. Can I tell you this? God's going to be very uh, judgmental of your life. You go around condemning others all the time. Hey, God's going to use that same cup with you. When you give financially, you measure out with a small cup. Can I just be honest? God's measuring back with a small cup is what the Bible says. But listen, let's just get over into forgiveness. Here's what he said. You, you forgive. You have an empty cup of forgiveness towards others. God, cup of forgiveness towards you is empty. See, there are people watching this sermon. There are people here in the room that, listen, your forgiveness cup is empty. You got a lid on it. And you got a Starbucks stopper in the, in the, in the little hole that comes out. Your, your forgiveness cup is empty. For some reason, you've got a person in your life. You got a group of people in your life. You just, you, you, hey, you have no forgiveness for them. Well, I'm going to tell you, that's a problem, and that hurts you, because whatever cup you're using, God says, hey, can I borrow that? Oh, and you're hurting you in your relationship with God. Let me show you the fifth thing here quickly. Number five, know this, love grows in forgiveness. I, I really wanted to preach a whole sermon on this. And so I'm just going to hit it and move on so I can save it for another time. But look at Proverbs 17, verse 9. Whoever conceals an offense, it's that same word again in the Hebrew, offense, promotes love. 
Now, can I tell you this? This is not talking about covering up a crime. This is not talking about if you see your neighbor murdering someone, go help them bury their body and you're, you and your neighbor will be close. That is not what it's talking about. It's not talking about concealing the crime. It's talking about you covering it up in your heart, you letting it go in your heart. Now, here's what he's saying. When you are able to overlook a matter and forgive, you are planting the seeds of love in fertile soil. When you're able to overlook a matter and forgive, you are planting the seeds of love in fertile soil. Now, I want to tell you, if I could give you any marriage and family advice, here it is right here. You create a forgiving environment in your home, and you are creating a fertile soil that promotes love in your home. You want love to be in your home? Then learn to be forgiven in your home. You want your marriage to be better? Hey, you want your marriage to be more loving? Listen, I'm telling you, you be forgiving. Walk around with bitterness in your heart, anger, resentment. You're soured and unpleasant. Your marriage is headed for doom if it's not already. You want friendships to be better? Hey, your friend's going to do stupid stuff too? Conceal the matter in your heart. And it promotes love. You want, you want to get on better at work? Don't be judgmental and condemning. Look, be forgiving. Practice forgiveness. Because love grows in the soil of forgiveness. Number six, and I'm finished. Your forgiveness well, the forgiveness well, should never run dry. Look what, look what Jesus said in Luke chapter 17. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day and comes back to you seven times saying, I repent, you must Forgive him. Can I, can I say this today? Can I, say, can, I, can I get very theological right here? What in the world, Jesus, are you talking about? I mean, like, that's hard to, like, verses like that are hard to process for me. Seven times in a day, somebody hurts you, and seven times they ask you to forgive them, and Jesus said, seven times you must forgive him. Right? We're all good with one time, right? Can I get an amen? We're all good with one time. We're okay with twice. Third time in a day, we, get, we got problems, right? Like third time in a day, same thing, you hurt me, do it again. Fourth time, you're just being a moron the fourth time around. Like, what are you doing? By the sixth time, I think you're out to get me. By the seventh time, you've done got biblical on me at this point. Like, I don't, you Jesus juke me. You, you just like one round number seven and... What? Well, here's the point Jesus was trying to make. Don't run out of forgiveness. Don't run out of forgiveness. Here's what Jesus said. Forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. And you'll never be more like Jesus. You remember Jesus hanging on the cross? You, you remember that, right? Jesus was hanging on the cross, and he, here was his day. Here was his day. He'd been arrested illegally tried he had been beaten beyond human recognition the bible says he had been spit on he'd been slapped beat with rods not counting the whip crown of thorns you, you get the idea he'd been nailed to a cross while he was on the cross he's stripped naked humiliated and he's hanging there with his body gashed open blood whole body red from his heart pumping the blood out of the gashes Nailed to a cross, feet in a cross. And one of the seven sayings on the cross were this. 
Father, say it with me, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Do you know how many people have asked for forgiveness at that moment? None. They were still humiliating him, mocking him, beating him, hurting him. And when you came to Jesus in salvation to ask for forgiveness, do you know what he had the audacity to do? Forgive you. And when you've sinned against him after you've been saved, time and time and time and time and time again, do you know what he does? He forgives you. The forgiveness well of Jesus never runs dry. Can you say amen right there? And neither should yours. Close your Bibles, I'm finished. Forgiveness is important to the Christian life, and you want to level it up. You have to ride the wings of forgiveness to get there. You don't even have to take my word for it. Uh, matter of fact, science tells us the same. Here's some of the things science tells us. Science tells us that if you forgive, forgiveness reduces stress. They did research and they, they, on those who practice forgiveness, and they found out those who practice forgiveness has lower level of stress hormones versus those who held grudges. Their stress markers were off the chart, which meant forgiving others made you feel less stress, and that can reduce everything from heart disease to type 2 diabetes. If you just forgive others, you have less stress. They found this. Forgiveness helps you lose weight. Multiple hormones like cortisol and others that are regulate that regulate your appetite and weight. And research shows they're indirectly impacted by your mindset. The stress of being angry or depressed or bitter actually makes you feel hungrier. And if you give up all that, it means your body is less likely, uh, if you do all that, your body's less likely to burn fat. And so if you want to shed some pounds, here's what research says. Forgive people and get all that stress out of your life and maybe, maybe put the Doritos away a time or two. Get this. Finally, forgiveness makes you live longer. Here's what science proves that people who are forgiving live longer and age more slowly. People who rated themselves as forgiving, both of themselves and, and of other people, had fewer health conditions and a longer lifespan. Uh, co contrast that to people holding on to bitterness can actually take years off their life, the research shows. The people who practice forgiveness live longer, healthier, happier lives. You've heard the statement, forgive and forget. That's not the right statement. According to science, the research is, says, forgive and live. Forgive and live. Forgive and live. Forgive and live physically. You add years to your life. Forgive and live mentally and you'll, you'll unclutter your mind and get all of that garbage and hatred out of your mind. Forgive and live emotionally and lay down that bitterness. Lay down that sourness. Lay down that malice. Get rid of it and cleanse your heart, your emotions. Forgive and live spiritually. Because you'll never level up your walk with God. You'll be suppressed in your walk with God as long as there's genuine unforgiveness in your life. Where are we? Hey, if you're in the room in Rossville, would you stand with me? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Stand with me all across the building. 
Hey, if you're watching at home online, don't go away. Hang with me for five more minutes. I'll be finished. I want to say something to you online right after this. So hang with me for five minutes. But let me speak to everybody online, in the rooms, wherever you may be. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Just here's what I want you to do. No matter where you are, at home or in the rooms, listen. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to spend one minute with God right now. And I don't want you to think about who you need to forgive. Would you take one minute right now and talk to God about who you need to forgive? You say, preacher, I think I'm good. Well, just do it anyway. If you're a Christian, take one minute and talk to God about who you need to forgive. Now, if you're not a Christian, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. But if you're not a Christian, I want you to skip that and look right at me. At home or in the rooms, whether you're Rossville here in Ross Spring, if you're not a Christian, look right at me. Here's what I want to tell you. If you're not a Christian, that's the first thing you need to know because you need to know Jesus died for you. Jesus forgave you, and all you have to do is accept it, and you can become a child of God. And it's as simple as ABC. A, you've got to admit that you're a sinner and you cannot save yourself. You're not good enough to go to heaven. None of us are. B, you've got to believe Christ died on the cross for our sin and rose again on the third day. We call that the gospel. And C, you have to confess him as Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now listen, no matter where you are, if you'd like to become a Christian, you, you can do that right now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer just to help you pray. Because I know it's hard to pray the first time when you do it. And listen, if you're watching this later on through our app or whatever it may be, you can pray with me right now as well. If you'd like to become a Christian, pray, pray a prayer like this. Not the prayer that saves you, but the intent of your heart is to trust Jesus. Pray, pray this. Pray, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. I know Christ died on the cross rose again so I could be saved so just now invite Christ into my life to save me forgive me of my sins and give me a home in heaven and I trust Jesus and Jesus alone if you just prayed that prayer look with me here's what I want you to do sometime today text I did to the number 97,000 where the phone number goes type in 97,000 where uh, the body goes type in IDID no spaces I did to 97,000. We have a pamphlet that tells you the next steps, to take, seven steps taken in the Christian life. You're going to be frustrated in your walk with God if you don't know these steps. So, text I did. We'll get you, we'll get a little information from you and then we'll send you the book. And by the way, people do this every week. People watch the video throughout the week and text in the middle of the week or at the end of the week. So you do that today. Do it every week. Let us help you. Now, every head bowed, every eye closed. We're, and we're done. But stay with me. Online, stay with me. So you've talked to God for a minute. Let's be honest with God. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. How many of you, I want you to testify, this is not for me. This is not for your person sitting next to you. This is between you and God. I want, I want you to be honest with God. The honesty is important. How many of you would say, God, there's some people or person in my life that I need to figure out forgiveness with, and I need your help doing it. If that's you, raise your hand and just testify to the Lord for a minute. At home, do the same thing. Just raise it, raise it, raise it. Dozens, 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 dozens all across the room. All across the room. I know online as well, Rossville as well. I know it. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. And then you've got to go back. You may need to listen to this sermon all week long. Hey, for some of you, you may not even need to go tell somebody you forgive them. It's not, you, can, you can cancel the debt without even talking to them. Just forgive them. Move on. Forgive and live. Figure it out. 
Father, thank you that your word is so clear. Thank you for the great example that we have in Jesus Christ. And the forgiveness well never runs dry, but forgiveness for everything. All the stupid stuff we've done, all the stupid stuff we keep doing. We come to you and the Bible says if we confess our sin, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness every single time. Except, except when our forgiveness well runs dry. So Lord, I'm not, I'm not making fun or belittling any hurt anybody has. I know I've had traumatic hurt in my life and others have as well. But I do know this, that you can walk us through all of that. And help us lay aside the bitterness, the pain, the anger, the wrath, the malice. You can help us lay all of that aside. That stuff that's eating us. The stuff that's hurting us. It's hurting all our other relationships. Lord Jesus, help us to figure it out. We want to forgive and live. Help us figure it out, Lord. Help us figure it out. And I pray that process is starting right now in hearts and minds of people, wherever they may be. Just do that work of the Holy Spirit in us that only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. For more information about Peavine or to get in touch with us, please visit our website, peavine.org. Thanks for listening.